Welcome to Apparently Speaking, the podcast from Northeast Ohio Parent with your host, Miriam Connor. Teenage years are years many parents dread. I say they are great, and my guest today is here to discuss her new book where she explains seven myths about teenagers so that you can rethink your teen and raise accountable young adults. Darby Fox is a child and adolescent family therapist with over 25 years of experience with children and families from diverse backgrounds. Darby's first book, Rethinking Your Teenager, Shifting from Control and Conflict to Structure and Nurture to Raise Accountable Young Adults, was published by Oxford University Press in 2020. An expert on parenting and family topics, she's been featured on ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox News, and Newsmax, and is a monthly contributor to Psychology Today. She received a BA from Middlebury College and an MSW in clinical family practice from Columbia University. Darby has four children of her own. Sponsored by the all-new Mazda of Kent. Your family safety is our top priority. And Mazda has more Insurance Institute for Highway Safety Picks than any other manufacturer. So get to your Mazda destination, Mazda of Kent. Check out new Mazda CX-5 crossover SUVs, Mazda CX-30 CUVs, even 2023 Mazda CX-50 crossover SUVs, and U.S. News & World Report awarded Mazda Best Car Brand. Check out their new retail evolution dealership, the all-new Mazda of Kent, mazdakent.com. Well, thank you so much. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you for coming. So I know um, we probably have a lot to talk about. I, I really like your book is just right up my alley. You know, rethink your teenager, shifting from conflict and control to structure and nurture to raise accountable young adults. I even love the title. So I knew when I <laughs> saw that title come across, that was going to be something that really, it really did interest me <laughs> right away for sure. Because I think, I mean, the, the title says a lot, you know, and, and everybody wants to raise accountable young adults, right? And um, and you have exactly. kids of your own and you've you're a child and adolescent family therapist, so you've probably seen and heard it all. <laughs> well, I mean, you know what? Every day you do get something, you're like, okay, that's that's new. <laughs> but um, you see a lot of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, is that is your has your experience? That's what kind of led you to write the book, just be, you know, from all your experience as a therapist. Yeah, and the fact that I thought that. Um, teens were really sort of misunderstood. Mm -hmm. And I, I work with all age of kids, but I really love adolescents. And I think they get kind of a bad rap. Mm -hmm. And so I thought maybe people need to have a better understanding of how their minds working, like what are they doing developmentally, neurologically, what's going on, and then we can, you know, work better with them. So that informs how we parent and we can hit a lot uh, less bumps in the road if we know more about what, who we're trying to work with. Yeah, I agree with you. I've taught um, middle school and high school for like, I don't even want to say, I don't even know, 27 years or something. So, <laughs> yeah. and you know, people always like, when you say that, it's like, oh, you know, about that age. And it, I, yeah. I love that age. I mean, I love all the ages, but I really love that age. And I do think that, you know, oftentimes they're misunderstood. And I think that sometimes parents go into it 
just hearing all the negative or the what, you know, it could be or what, what they think, right. you know, like these myths, like you say. And, and so they go into it like, this is going to be a bad time. I've even heard parents like, oh yeah, I know. I can't wait, you know, or when they're going to be teen, I'm going to enjoy it now. Cause when they're teenagers, I'm sure I won't, you know, those kind of things. Right. And I'm like, wait a second. No. And you know, you, my kids are, you know, well, 12, 16 and 19 now. So we're right in, in that. And I yeah. really miss, I do miss that young. I mean, I just love when they were little and I love that and miss it, but I really love them now too. And they're so much fun. They're so much fun and they, and they become, it isn't that they're more fun. It's just different fun, different. As, yeah. you know, at, e at each stage. But I think that it can be one of the most rewarding times of parenting if we think about it differently. And um, I, I, you know, often you hear people say, well, there's no manual parenting so hard. And there really is no manual because I think everyone's different. But yeah. I do think there's some basic principles that, um, you know, are helpful. Yeah. So what want to share some of those? <laughs> Everyone's listening like, what are they? What are yeah. they? Tell us. Like, okay, hurry. Um, so uh, when I wrote the book, what, what I did was I broke it into chapters and it's really, I thought, um, so that you could look at it at a certain time and say, this is my problem. Like my yeah. kids are pretty good in this area. They sleep, they get themselves organized, but you know, we're having some problems with risky behavior when they go out or other things like that, or, um, you know, they just don't seem to speak to me. What, what can mm -hmm. I do there? So I, I thought it would be good that you could turn to it and read a chapter or look at a few suggestions when you're struggling in a certain area, instead of having to read the whole book. Yeah. I, and, like, I do like how you organized it because I, I would encourage people to read the whole book, yeah. but I do yeah. like what you're saying because, or even if you need to go back, you know, and you're like, wait a second, yes, we're going through this right now, or this yeah. is an issue you can go back. So that is make, does make it, you know, it's really easy for parents. Oh, good. And that's where it's like, okay, I, I think this happened with her, you know, her sister, but again, what am I dealing with here? And so hopefully it's helpful in that way. And it is based on um, clinical knowledge and neurodevelopment of, you know, mm -hmm. what is happening with this teen's brain. And then a lot of experience and the experience is, you know, sometimes personal it's mm -hmm. or suggestions or, you know, certainly having seen hundreds of kids come through the practice, um, you know, you're like, okay, I, I wish I'd have done it better here or, or done that. So um, hopefully that's helpful just to get a baseline oh, when you're yeah, working absolutely. with them. And, and I think, you know, your message, correct me if I'm wrong, and I agree with this, is it's just like, there are reasons that teens do certain things and act certain ways. And it's not because they're trying to give you a hard time on purpose. You know, it's like, exactly. There are reasons. So yeah. So let's just maybe go through these myths. We'll see. We'll just, you know, chat about each one briefly if we can. Um, okay. So the first one, teenagers are young adults who choose to act immaturely. That's a myth. Number one. Yes. Because typically we think or make the mistake. We look at them frequently. They're bigger than we are, or they look like a full grown adult. <laughs> and what we have to remember is actually that brain is yeah. not solidified yet. It's growing and maturing. And if we look at a chart, um, it's up into age 25 that it becomes sort of a solid formed, what we could consider an adult brain. So if you think about that, they are immature because they're maturing. 
And what that tells us is we can parent differently, knowing that everything's not just going to be perfect. And they don't know all the answers. They know what they've experienced largely because humans are experiential. We're best at what we've actually done, not heard. And I think if you if you kind of remind yourself of that, then you can have different expectations. So it doesn't mean it's okay for them to just do whatever they want and screw up or be rude or disrespectful or break rules. But what it means is we know that may happen. That's coming down the road because they haven't really been there before. Then we can preview in advance what might be some of the obstacles for them so they can think about it. And then we hold them accountable to what was the actual outcome of what you did. Sometimes it's amazing and sometimes it's less than perfect. And that's where we say, okay, you know what? I still love you to death, but how could we do this differently in the future to get a better result? If you work from that perspective, you're not shaming them and being dismissive and then they will buy in and they'll be like, oh, okay, they're on my side. And that's where you lose Mm. a lot of the battle and you build trust. Yeah, that's so good. And just to, like you said, age 25. So we sometimes, our expectations (laughs) (laughs) are just, yeah, that's sometimes our expectations are way too high um, for them because they're not, like you said, it doesn't mean it's a free pass. And obviously that's what the job, our job is, you know, teach them and all that. But um, they aren't there. If they're immature, then that's because that's what they're supposed to be. Right. They're not. Exactly. Yeah. But you're right. We expect, you know, you shouldn't be, you're, you're 16. Why would you act that way? It's like, well, because I am 16. (laughs) Um, The answer to it, but right. Like I, like how you said, you know, it's not a free pass or anything. And I really like that you mentioned, you know, that we really, I'm I'm not going to, I'm going to mess up your words exactly, but you know, that we really get it by doing, not just hearing it. Right. Exactly. And think about all those times that people have told you to do something differently or particularly parents through adolescence. But even, even now today, if someone tells me to do something and, you know, I get, I think they're implying I couldn't do it my own way. I might have to go do it. And then I'd be like, Oh, okay. Now I get why they said, don't do that or do it like this. Right. But And that's what we want to build. That's independence. Can I solve problems? So if we think of it, actually, they're learning to solve problems and take initiative. That's a lot more. um, That's our goal. That's what we want, as opposed to they're just trying to ignore me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's the negative or the positive way to spin it. And I, I just find you usually get a lot further if you can put that positive spin on it. Definitely. And just that experience, you know, that life experience, it made me think of driving with my two oldest. Then, you know, a lot of it is, you know, those rules of the road. It's like, well, wait, I'm confused about when I can go left or who has a, and I remember telling them, you know, a lot of this is just going to come naturally with experience. Right. I can tell them, you know, you have the right of way here. They have the right. But until they're actually doing it, then they're like, oh, I see now what you're saying. Right. I get it when we come to the four-way stop. Yeah. Exactly. Hopefully hopefully they do. Sometimes (laughs) I'm like, when in doubt, just wait. (laughs) Well, they they usually do after they've entered it in the- Exactly. So someone lays on the horn and they have a close call, then they're like, ah, okay. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. Then the second one, teenagers behave badly because of raging hormones and there's nothing we can do about it. I hear that often. I hear that all the time. Um, 
oh, they're just moody or I think they're depressed because of all these hormones. So it, it isn't necessarily, I don't want to say that the hormones don't have an impact. They, of course, have a huge impact. And they're coming online at higher rates through especially the lower end of adolescence than they, your body's ever had. So it does have a great impact. But because they're coming online and they're going to be with us for many, many years, we want to think about it not being an excuse for not behaving. We want to say, okay, I get it. Today, I don't feel great. Maybe I am as a 15-year-old girl getting my period and I'm cranky and tired, but I'm going to be getting this for 40 years. I need to actually learn how to still be polite. Maybe I adjust my diet a little. Maybe I need more sleep or I need to be on my own more, but I still have to behave in a certain manner. And it's really important that we give our kids that message as soon as possible. Like, yeah, every, every day is not going to be great, but we still have to hit a sort of minimum standard. And that's a message that we need to be sending from an early age. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I think that kind of goes along with, you know, like the narcissistic tendencies and the egocentric, like, hey, I'm yeah. not feeling well, so everybody's going to suffer or, you know, right. this this kind of thing, or I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling this. So yeah. everybody has to change what they're doing because of how yeah. I feel. And I see that a lot. Yeah. You see that all the time. And and the other piece is also, you know, acting out. And you if you've got your teenagers screaming or yelling at you or fighting with the siblings, you're like, oh, it's just the hormones. No, actually, we still expect you to not treat people that way, regardless of those hormones. Right. Um, and, and I think that's right. important. I think that's really important. Right? Yeah, I think that's um, once really you get important into a job place, you can't, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and you and, want them to feel, you know, safe at home and comfortable. But however, right. and I, I tell my kids this, you know, we've had this conversation, you know, I get it. You're bummed or you're, you're whatever your emotion right. is like, that's okay. You're allowed to have that and you don't have to fake it, but you can't right. like just everyone else isn't going to change or be affected by it. Right. You can't bring everybody down just because, yes. of, you know, you just got to hit a testosterone. Yeah. <laughs> We're yeah. not going to fall for that. So I think no. that's important, but that also helps um, our adolescents learn to regulate themselves. Like, yes. okay, I, I can hold myself to a better standard. And and typically, again, I always find with kids, I tell people, you get what you expect. So if you expect them to be able to handle themselves mm. and go with the ups and downs, they typically can. Yeah, that's really good. I, I think so too. If you just kind of like we're just not doing that. And you said like, you know, just start from a young yeah. age and have that expectation. They will, they'll buy into it. Right. Yeah. Right. That's what's that's important. Um, adolescents don't need a lot of sleep. They're just lazy. I've done several um, episodes on the importance of sleep. So I know that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and I think um, one of the quickest, shortest facts there is that the melatonin that is released in our bodies, as they go into adolescence, it's being released up to a full two hours later than it is for you or I. So mm -hmm. that means they really aren't tired until later on. And so then they're gonna need to sleep on the other end. Like we still know they need a tremendous amount of sleep, more than most often they're getting. So it isn't just they're lying there in bed, but they can't shut that clock off. And then if we add any of the today's things like 
screens or phones mm. or blue light, any of that, it's pushing it off further. So again, you know, how does that impact how we work with them? It's like, you know, I, I mean, I wish often I had that delayed melatonin <laughs> so I could get something done. But I think that that is important because then we don't have to fight that battle, right? We mm. can say, all right, I get it. You really are legitimately going to be up until midnight or later and I can go to bed and not bug you about it. But then the consequence piece comes in. You do have to get up and go to school mm. and be up by 630 or whatever it is. And your sleep's really important. You learn and process when you're sleeping. So let's adjust this. And quickly, instead of fighting with them, I always suggest parents ask them to see how they feel. Kids pretty quickly know, oh, God, I feel better when I get more sleep. Right. You know, right. And let that be their battle. And then I think maybe letting them, you know, I know like, yeah, you're right. You figure it out. Like you can, you can tell that you're not getting enough sleep or you do feel better. So what can you do to maybe change that around? Right. Like, okay, you, you want initiative. Any teenager pretty much wants to be in control of themselves. So that's where you say, all right, you can do this, but you have to be up on time and out the door. You can't make everybody else late, or I'm not going to bring you everything you forget because you're a mess in the morning. And then pretty quickly they can say, all right, well, I need a little more time because my mom's not bringing me my blazer and my cleats. It's, it's like, okay, I got to do this. And that's where as a parent, it's easier and less um, contentious through those times. Cause you're like, all right, I love you to death, but that battle's yours. Yes. I, I think that's great. I think that's important. And just also to know, like you said, you know, they're not just trying to be lazy and maybe on the weekend, if they have a chance and they can sleep in, um, yeah, you know, you, a, a lot longer they might, and in. they're not just trying to be lazy or get out of, you know, doing something. They probably need that sleep to catch up a little bit. Okay. And then, um, the fifth one, adolescents are amazing multitaskers and multitasking allows them to accomplish everything they need to do. Yeah. I think we, <laughs> in our society, we, we praise that for kids. And I think also, mm-hmm. um, and I, and I don't mean to buy you bias anyway, but I do think that uh, as women also kind of pride ourselves, I'll include myself in that in, in being a multitasker, right? Like I can do 12 things mm-hmm. at once. And the reality is our brains are not wired that way. They're amazing and complex, so they can handle a lot. But it is designed, if you will, as a machine to do one task at a time. And it's much more efficient. And I love it when I give lectures. There's lots of research on this. I have a great slide that shows the level of production and retention that goes down um, with just a little bit of distraction. So if you're listening to the radio, it will go down a certain amount. But if you're listening to the radio and there's a screen on, or you're on the highway and you're trying to pay attention, the brain automatically is shifting to pick up the different distractions. And that's its job, but then it's kind of frozen. And that's where we get that kind of overloaded feel. As kids, adolescents, we think it's really cool to do a lot at once. And, you know, I have one son who always says, I got it. I got it. Yeah. And, you know, (laughs) he's pretty good, but he doesn't always have it. And um, it's better to kind of go one at a time. Because if we think about it, that's how the brain's meant to work. 
And, and I don't think you really have to say a lot more to a teenager than that. Like, I get it. You're really pretty amazing. But if you shut off your phone and do your physics, mm. it, it goes a whole lot quicker. And that is usually, again, a reason you'd get some buy-in is because the homework's done quicker, right? And more right. <laughs> right? They're, they're not going to listen to you if it's about, you know, something inane that doesn't impact them in a way. But if it's like, okay, I can finish this thing that I don't particularly love faster. Okay, why not try it? Your family safety is our top priority. And Mazda has more Insurance Institute for Highway Safety picks than any other manufacturer. So get to your Mazda destination, the all-new Mazda of Kent, mazdakent.com. There's no inventory shortage here. Test drive a new Mazda today. Check out new Mazda CX-5 crossover SUVs, Mazda CX-30 CUVs, even 2023 Mazda CX-50 crossover SUVs. And maintenance is no charge for one year. Plus Mazda certified pre-owned vehicles with the balance of a seven year, 100,000 mile warranty. US News and World Report awarded Mazda best car brand. Come experience our new retail evolution dealership created solely with the customer in mind. We provide a premium experience that customers expect and deserve. Test drive a new Mazda today at your Mazda destination, the all new Mazda of Kent, where my family shops for cars. MazdaKent.com, MazdaKent.com. I know that our kids, our, our adolescents especially, are so, so busy. I'm not sure when and why, how that started and why, but, you know, I think it's also kind of like a, oh, you know, they're doing, you know, these 20 things or, you know, I've heard parents say like, no, I, they have to be busy or keep them out of trouble or this. And it's like, they're, they're right. too busy. They're too busy because again, and I think that that is one reason we are seeing a lot of escalating mental health issues is because- mm -hmm to a certain extent, they're never off. There's not a downtime. Mm -hmm. Even when they go to bed, most of them have, at, by the time they're well into adolescence, um, they've got their phone beside them or an iPad. They've got some kind of electronic where they can get interrupted, even if it's just beeping when a new message comes through. That's all disruptive and keeps our brains kind of in an alerted state. So it's hard to regroup. And I think that's really important that sleep isn't just about, you know, our restful piece, our brains process and learn when we're asleep, when, you know, we're asleep. So if we don't have a lot of that distracted time, it's like any machine, it's just not going to run that well. Yeah, I think I think it's really important, more important than people realize. And I think it's just, and then they get up so early. And um, so it is, you know, like I said, I've done shows on this and it, it really opened my eyes too for myself, for my yeah. own sleep yeah. and um, for my kids. And when you, when you really look at the time that you're supposed to get, it's like, yikes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, we're chronically... And, and I will say I'm a, I'm not a great role model when it comes to yeah, sleep, me either. right? <laughs> <laughs> I could do a lot better. Um, and, but it really does impact pretty much every single thing yeah. your body does. It does. It really does. And, and especially, you know, they probably can handle it less than we can still not good for us, but you know, and, and you want to get their, their habits built in, you know, while they're younger. So they right. don't, you know, just have that all the time. And yeah, my youngest, my 12 year old, you know, we were just talking, you know, recently I was talking to her about, she's, 
doing a lot of things at the moment. And I said, you know, you're in this and this and that, you know, kind of list. And I said, it's kind of maybe the time to start choosing a couple, you know, right. maybe let's limit a little. Out? Yeah. Yeah. And she of course said, no, I want to do it all. And I said, I know, but <laughs> we really need to to do that. So we're looking at that. And it's hard because, you know, she enjoys everything she's doing. She wants to still do it. But I'm like, yeah, but you know, it's, it's, I don't like the racing from one to the next, you know, it's just right. And you're getting, you're staying up too late now because you're getting home from this, this certain thing late. And so, you know, you just have to kind of reevaluate, I think, and look at everything and what can we, what can we maybe cross off? Exactly. I mean, I think we all could benefit a little more from that downtime. And that was one of the good effects of COVID. Um, if we're to yes. look at a positive, we all had to find a little time that was more downtime and what could we do with it? And people actually really enjoyed it or remembered that they liked not always being out or on the go. A hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. The six drugs and alcohol only temporarily impact my teenager. I don't know why. So, and this isn't, this is going to sound judgmental. I don't mean it to be, but it's just interesting to me. You know, some people just think it's not a big deal. You know what? I get so worried and we could probably do a whole show on this because I'm, I'm passionate about this. The adolescent brain is growing and developing faster than in any other time except in utero. And uh, again, if I'm speaking with a, if I've got a client in my office or I'm speaking to a big group, both parents and adolescents, I ask how many, how many drugs did your mom do or how much did she drink when she was pregnant? And everybody kind of looks at me like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> she, she didn't like, what are you implying? Yeah. And I, I only say that because I want to remind people if you wouldn't in, if your pregnant mom didn't get high or drink, why would you want to do that to your brain at a time when we know it's growing, pruning, changing just as fat, nearly just as fast. And that's where it is incredibly impactful. We know the statistics, the science is there. We don't talk a lot about the science, um, particularly with marijuana becoming legalized nearly mm -hmm. all over the country. We are going to see catastrophic effects with that because it does permanently impair the brain. And we know that cells don't change back. Um, certainly, if you're older, we, we can see that uh, if you're getting high at a certain rate, it, the cells can change back, but that's because they're a grown, fully formed cell. In a cell that's developing, you add an anamide, which, which is the powerful component of THC, to a developing cell, and you're changing the chemistry of the cell. It doesn't change back because it didn't have a permanent state. And I think that once people hear that, they kind of can say, oh, God, I never thought yeah. about that. So that is, that's one reason that's super powerful. And the other with alcohol, we see that if you have any regular use of alcohol under the age of 16, you're 85% more likely to let later on develop issues with drugs, alcohol, or a mental illness, depression, severe anxiety. Again, that's a staggering number really is. You know, <laughs> there are 15-year-olds, you know, they're in ninth grade, 10th grade. 
it's like, oh, well, everybody drinks or everybody gets high. One, no, they don't, but they shouldn't. Right. Yeah. I, what you said, like you said, it's powerful. I was going to say that's very powerful. It really is when you're, when you're talking about those cells and then that statistic, you know, the 85%. So, you know, I think maybe that's, a, that has to be a powerful thing when you tell the parents and, and adolescents that, because it's like, it's not a big deal or they're right. just at home. So I know they're, you know, they're safe, those kind of things, right. but that's not, you're talking about, you know, affecting their their cells, you know, forever and, and, right. and pos the possibility of, uh, you know, something serious later down the road. Right. And, and I'm not saying test a drink or have a white claw and a one off, but we're talking right, that they're going to be, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. every yeah. weekend, yeah. if you're have an adolescent who's getting drunk every weekend, that's, that's not a good thing. Right. But I guess too, I would, I would personally just say like at that age, like why even delve into that? You know, they have their whole life to. Right. Um, why go there? You know, we don't need that. We don't, we, that goes along with, yeah. you know, something I'm against, which is trying to have them grow up too soon. Exactly. That's a whole different topic. But <laughs> That is, but it's actually a great topic. And it kind of is, you know, it plays into that from the perspective. If I can just get drunk any given night from ninth grade on, by the time you, you know you hit your freshman year of college, you're like, okay, I, I need more. Like, <laughs> there's got to yeah. be more. And, and we do see, we see a lot of struggle with drugs, and you know the opioids, the benzodiazepine. Like, we've got a lot of that stuff, and it's because we have a more casual attitude around it. And I'm certainly not implying, oh, teenagers and never drink or have a naive perspective. But mm -hmm. I think if we give you the education, this is the chemistry. So then you make a choice. I find lots of kids at least think about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I like that. Just educate them at least, and at least so they know about it. That's good. Yeah. If you can get some to think about it, then you're, that's a win. Right. I mean, <laughs> you don't sure. unlearn what you hear. You, you may yeah. choose to yeah. ignore it, but you don't unlearn it. That's really good. Really good stuff. And then seven, my teenager does risky and stupid things to irritate and defy me. That's another one, you know, yeah, they're going to do the opposite of what I say, or if I say that yeah. they're just going to do it on purpose, you know, that kind of thing. So I think, uh, again, a favorite piece here is if you take nothing else away from today, remember that <laughs> their heart, adolescents are hardwired for gratification. So they aren't hardwired to assess risk. So they're thinking, okay, this sounds new, novelty seeking. This sounds fun. I'm going to go for it. And they are actually getting, there are neurotransmitters that are hitting at a rate of over five to one, the piece like the GABA that says, stop, think about it. Maybe not a great idea. That's just getting completely ignored by the chemistry in your brain and your brain is looking at, you know, okay, what can I do? That'll be fun or new. So I just jump right to the end and that's where they do some risky, stupid things and they aren't thinking about it. So that's really different than they just ignored you mm -hmm. or they're too stupid. It's, I didn't think about it. I was only thinking about the good side and that is how their brain is hardwired during this 
time when they're growing and changing so much. So again, if you think about that, it's like, okay, well, what can I do about it? We can't rewire that chemistry, but we tell them in advance, okay, you know, when you go out, this is why I say, don't do this, or these are the things that could happen. And then again, they don't unlearn that. They might not act perfectly on it, but if they've heard it, if we preview with them what kind of behavior we're looking for, it's easier in the moment for them to come to that um, strong conclusion, like the right answer. Yeah. So I think knowing that, you know, they're not doing it on purpose, like we said, to annoy them or they're just not so dumb or whatever, then it really can, I think, open up the lines of communication, first of all, and the parents not taking it personally and can really maybe just have that conversation with them. Like, Hey, you know, I get it, you know, but here are some of the possible consequences of this or or whatever, you know, the conversation may be. Yeah. and, And I love that, you know, because I think we've all said this, like, what were you thinking? to your kid. I think pretty much if we're honest, we've all said that. And they're like, well, I wasn't. And actually they weren't. Yeah. And, and like you said, it's a great line, um, Miriam to say, don't take it personally. Mm. And then again, we can adjust. So we keep that connection with them because we help them solve for the problem. Okay. How did it go wrong? How can we do it differently? What else should we consider? That is what we should be teaching them instead of this notion of punishment and taking a phone away or taking their iPad or shrieking at them. And and that's how you can parent through adolescence in a more enjoyable way. Yeah, I I really loved talking to you. I wrote some notes down about asking you back about some other topics. So <laughs> okay, you'll be hearing from me. <laughs> I love um, it. So I, I really I thought this was great. It was a great conversation. I know it's going to be um, helpful. It was really helpful to me. I'll be helpful to a lot of other people. So I really appreciate it. Um, and I do want to have you back. How can listeners find you? Connect with you? Find your book? Okay, so the book with a whole long winded title, Rethinking Your Teenager. I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but you can get it on Amazon or it's produced by Oxford University Press. So oxford.com. And my Instagram is Darby Fox Official. And I try and post some interesting things on there. um, Quotes, some reels that just are kind of hopefully inspirational. And then uh, my website is Darby at DarbyFox.com. Okay, great. Definitely connect with her, um, follow her and get your hands on the book. It's great stuff. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was a great conversation. Sponsored by the all new Mazda of Kent. Your family safety is our top priority. And Mazda has more insurance institute for highway safety picks than any other manufacturer. So get to your Mazda destination, Mazda of Kent. Check out new Mazda CX-5 crossover SUVs, Mazda CX-30 CUVs, even 2023 Mazda CX-50 crossover SUVs, and U.S. News & World Report awarded Mazda Best Car Brand. Check out their new retail evolution dealership, the all-new Mazda of Kent, mazdakent.com. Thank you for listening to Apparently Speaking. Listen and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and iHeartRadio. Find the podcast and much more at northeastohioparent.com, like Apparently Speaking on Facebook, and email me at podcast at northeastohioparent.com.